Hi everyone, welcome back to Agape's podcast. We are currently on a podcast series on the book of Psalms. However, instead of sharing on one of Psalms today, one of the Psalms today, I'd like to share a devotion uh, with you based on 2 Kings chapter 22. Now, this is a devotion which I shared at our recent LCC retreat. And even as I shared it with the leaders, uh, Pastor Ming Li and I, we thought that it would be good for the congregation to hear of this as well. Now, not to worry if you are listening in and you are not worshipping at Agape Methodist Church, because I believe this is something that you can also take away for your personal reflection as well. Now, before we begin, let us commit this time to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity and the privilege to come together in this way to hear of your word and hear of what you uh, want us to, to know. And we just want to commit this time to you. And even as you convict us, Lord, give us the courage, give us the strength and give us the grace to put into practice of what we are going to learn today. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, let me begin by just giving you some context for my sharing. Now, during my third week at Agape, and uh, it was during a worship service that I believe the Lord gave me an impression for the church. Now, I have the impression that even though we are small in size, you know, in comparison to many other Methodist churches, God is going to use us mightily. At that time, I believe the Lord said that we are to equip ourselves of course, with God's help, we have to equip ourselves to be missionaries of this nation. And our missionaries would have such strong passions to grow in personal holiness and also in pursuit of social holiness in Singapore and beyond. Now, social holiness, as in being a blessing to the others around us, especially to the poor and those in need in many of the dark corners of this country. Now, I always believe that when God gave a vision or impression, right, He usually gave it um, in the context of the spiritual health of the land. Now, I'm not sure about you, but uh, recently, my general sense of the spiritual health of uh, this land, of this country, is going actually in a downward spiral. You know, we always talk about how Singapore is to be the Antioch of Asia. Yet, I do not think that we are even anywhere close. We are going on a downward spiral. You know, not that we don't have enough churches in this land. In fact, in Singapore, we have many churches for this small nation. Um, not that we don't have enough programs or events, even during the pandemic. Not that we do not have enough pastors or leaders. But what we are sorely lacking are Christians who sincerely seek the face of God. So as typical Singaporeans, um, even as I ponder about this and uh, how the Lord have given that impression, um, I ask that question, you know, I ask the question, so what are we going to do? And I'm still praying that God will give us uh, more directions but one of the very first few things I discern that need to happen is really to ask God to reawaken our hearts. Let me repeat that. I think one of the first few things that need to happen is to ask God 
to reawaken our hearts as a church. To reawaken our dying hearts, really. To desire Him more, much more than where we are right now. Now what is a reawakening? Now a reawakening or what some call a revival can be loosely defined as really a total initiative of God to cause believers' hearts to be awakened in the spirit and bearing fruit for His kingdom. Now a true reawakening or true revival it usually starts with repentance and prayer and it will result in a very intense time where Christians desire more of Christ and the sharing of the gospel, not just in the church, you know, or not just for our neighbours, but really uh, across the country and even beyond the nation. Now, some of us here, we have heard, we know of revivals, whether they happen in Singapore or overseas, right? For example, God used John Wesley so mightily in that his preaching and organization of the societies, of the bands, had caused many to seek personal as well as social holiness. And not only did many come to Christ during his time, but the whole of Britain actually benefited from many Christians you know, pursuing holiness and also blessing of others through the works of mercy and love. Now, some of us here might have heard that 50 years ago, there was actually a revival, right? In which started from a few groups of boys praying in a clock tower. And that is, that was uh, really the ACS clock tower revival. And that revival actually gave birth to many Christian boys being on fire for the Lord. And many of them are still serving as, you know, pastors and lay leaders today in the Methodist churches. Now, in the Bible, we also have a very clear record of how the Lord reawakened the hearts of many men and women in the nation of Israel. And the Lord did this through a very young king, King Josiah. And we can read about this, actually, in Second Kings chapter 22 and 23. But today, we're just going to explore chapter 22. And let us now read this passage and reflect upon God's word. Now, as I read, I'd like you to just take note of how God used King Josiah to cause a time of revival in the history of the kingdom of Judah, even if it is but for a short period of time. Right? Second Kings chapter 22. And if you like to, you can just um, have your Bible right open to that and we can read together. 2 Kings chapter 22, and I'm going to read from the English Standard Version. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jadida, the daughter of Adir of Boscath. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and walked in all the way of David his father. And he did not turn aside to the right or to the left. In the eighteenth year of King Josiah, the king sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam, the secretary to the house of the Lord, saying this, Go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, that he may count the money that has been brought into the house of the Lord, 
which the keepers of the threshold have collected from the people. And let it be given into the hand of the workmen who have the oversight of the house of the Lord. And let them give it to the workmen who are at the house of the Lord, repairing the house, and that is to the carpenters, to the builders, and to the masons. And let them use it for buying timber and quarried stone to repair the house. But no accounting shall be asked from them for the money that is delivered into their hand, for they deal honestly. And Hilkel the high priest said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkel gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. And Shaphan and the secretary came to the king and reported to the king, Your servants have emptied out the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of the workmen who have the oversight of the house of the Lord. Then Shaphan the secretary told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah the high priest, the priest and Ahikam the son of Shaphan and Akshubal the son of Micaiah, and Shaphan the secretary, and Isaiah, the king's servant, saying this, Go inquire of the Lord for me, and for the people and for all Judah, concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us, because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book. To do according to all that is written concerning us, so Hilkiah the priest, and Ahikam, and Ajibah, and Shaphan, and Azariah went to Huldah the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tikva, the son of Hahas, keeper of the wardrobe. Now she lived in Jerusalem in the second quarter, and they talked with her. And she said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Tell the men who sent you to me, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will bring disaster upon this place and upon its inhabitants all the words of the book that the king of Judah has read. Because they have forsaken me and have made offerings to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the work of their hands. Therefore my wrath will be kindled against this place, and it will not be quenched. But to the king of Judah who sent you to inquire, the Lord does say you to him. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, regarding the words that you have heard, because your heart was penitent and you humbled yourself before the Lord, when you heard how I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants that ye should come become a desolation and a curse, and you have torn your clothes and wept before me. I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, behold, I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace. And your eyes shall not see all the disaster that I will bring upon this place. And they brought back word to the king. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God indeed. Now, if we continue to read on to chapter 23, we can discover from these two um, beautiful chapters on how we learn 
from Josiah and his team of leaders on you know how we can really sincerely seek the face of God to ask for a reawakening of hearts in the church. Now let me outline this as follows. Now firstly, even as we read um, chapter 22 and later on in chapter 23, we discover that we need to very firstly have a serious view and application of God's word. Right? When Josiah discovered the book of the law, he tore his clothes because he realized that his forefathers had not been following God's word. They had been rebelling against God and not doing what God had in his covenant with Israel. Taught them to follow. So taking a leave from King Josiah, the very first thing to note towards revival is to first discover how much we have fallen short of the glory of God through His Word. And this is because God's Word is our only standard of truth from which we can know if we are really having a right relationship with Him. You know, these days we like to talk about having this personal relationship with God. But we seldom question what kind of relationship are we actually having with God. Do we think that we're enjoying intimacy with God based on our own standard or experience? Or are we enjoying intimacy based on His truth and His love? You know, as Christians, we have been declared righteous only by the atoning sacrifice of Christ, only by what Jesus had done on the cross. But that is only the beginning of our Christian journey. One of the distinctives of Methodism was not only about reaching out to the poor, but also about this active pursuit of personal holiness. And this was why John Wesley spoke and taught frequently about our constant growth in holiness as a Christian. Now, holiness is not a bad word in theology. Holiness is what we as Christians should be going after all the time. And how do we do that? We can only do that with a deeper and a more serious understanding of what Scripture demands of us, what Scripture is saying to us. So from the pulpit to the DGs to our family and personal devotions, we ought to reflect and renew our hearts. We ought to reflect on and ask questions like, you know, how are we or whether we are on the right path? You know, are we still feeding on milk? Or are we on solid food? Or are we totally confused on whether we need milk or solid food? Are we preaching the gospel? Are we teaching the whole counsel of God? Are we having Bible studies that seek to change lives or those that only seek to fill up our knowledge base? You know, I told the LCC, I asked of the LCC at the retreat that, ask them this question, you know, as a leadership, are we prepared to lead the way to be an example to the congregation on how we can take God's word seriously? Not only in how we read the Bible, but how we apply scripture to our lives. And as a people of God, we need not be leaders to understand this. We need to also ask ourselves this question, right? How are we reading God's word today? 
Are we applying what we are listening to? Are we applying what we have read to our lives? Now, secondly, what Second Kings chapter twenty-two have taught us is this: we need to repent of our sins and get rid of idols in our lives in order for revival or renewal to happen. Now we can see from this chapter that what pleases God so much, and later on in chapter 23, uh, what pleases God so much about Josiah's leadership was that he humbled himself and repented and even got rid of the many idols that had been installed by the previous kings. In other words, Josiah made a clear choice on whom he would serve and worship. As a leadership and as individuals, you know, we need to ask ourselves today, right? If we have hidden sins and idols in our lives that need confession and repentance right now, or perhaps we have some bitterness or unforgiveness in our hearts that maybe stems from conflicts in the past or even a sense of betrayal or disappointment, even when serving in ministry. If so, let us come to the Lord with sincere hearts and start asking Him to give grace to repent and start afresh with Him. It is important, right, for the church really to do so. You know, just like how Josiah led the kingdom of Judah in his time to do so. And I believe that God is full of grace and mercy. I believe He will hear us and help us accordingly. And if He's willing, at a time of His choosing, He will even pour out His Spirit upon us. So let us come to Him, humble, with open hearts and in faith. Now for Josiah and the king of kingdom of Judah, we can read in chapter 23 that at the end of the day, what he had done could perhaps only brought about a short time of renewal. This was because the kings and the people before Josiah had done so much evil that God had truly, you know, had already appointed the wrath to come. Yet in his mercy, God spared those who truly repented to witness the disasters that he will bring upon Judah. And believe that today, God is also using his word to warn us and to also inspire us and to encourage us to come and seek His face, to repent, to confess of our sins and really seek His grace and the Spirit to change for the better. Now thirdly, we need to ask God for a heart to pray, anytime, everywhere. Now what was the first thing that Josiah had done when he discovered through the book of the law that you know, what his forefathers you know, discovered that his forefathers had been uh, rebelling against God. Right? The first thing that he had done was to inquire, was to pray, was to inquire of the Lord. And he said this, right? Go inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that had been found. Yes, he inquired of the Lord. At that time, the kings had to inquire of the Lord through prophets or prophetess. But you know, today we are given the privilege of coming to God directly, all because of Jesus Christ. Yet as you know, leaders of the church, as 
church member, as worshippers in Agape, we need to ask yet another question. How have we been praying? How have we been inquiring of the Lord? You know, I'm not talking about our usual sharing of prayer requests, you know, with the DG or fellow leaders in ministry, fellow people, um, brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm not talking about our once a week Sunday corporate prayer. Now, these are important and should continue. But I'm also talking about how, as a church, we are going on our knees often to seek God's face. Asking God how we have not been obedient. Asking God how we can be better and pleased in more. Asking God to bring a renewal to ourselves and to the people whom we are leading. And, you know, today it was so amazing as I was preparing to really record this, this, this devotion. And it was just came across Psalms 85 for devotion, for my own personal devotion. And if you read Psalms 85, for those of you who are interested, you know, after this, you can read Psalms 85. It's really about seeking God's face for renewal and for revival. So I'm really very sure that God is really nudging us in this very important direction for agape. Now, if we do a quick survey of reawakening and revivals for the past centuries, we can see that intense prayer and repentance usually precedes revivals. The ACS Clock Tower revival, it began that way. John Wesley's Aldersgate's experience began that way. And perhaps in Agape, we ought to have our own clock tower, right? And also encourage each family to have our own prayer space, to pray often for God to bring revival to our hearts and to the church as a whole. So my friends, um, these are the few pointers which I'm really glad to share with you today for this podcast. And together with the leaders, I'd like to invite you to also go to the Lord in discernment and in prayer if I'm sensing the Lord in the right direction. Because at the end of the day, we really want to fulfill what God has called us to do. And may His name be glorified. Let us pray. Lord, we thank You for Your Word and for what we have heard today. Lord, may You continue to give us Your discernment and give us Your grace. Give us Your strength to indeed put into practice, to put into our life what You want us to do. We thank You, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.